Welcome to the Everyday Board Game Podcast with your hosts, Daniel. And Daniel. Daniel, it's, it feels like it's been a while. It's been about a week. Uh, when we should have recorded last week, that's why we did a double episode the week before, because we that's, had a plan to do something. Right. I forgot that we weren't filming last week. <laughs> yeah. That's why it feels so long. But, yeah, we decided uh, we needed to do one last uh, Bookman's Run, what we call it. That's right. Uh, to go to Tucson to trade in some games. Because somebody had to go back to work early I instead know. of, you know, being like a normal teacher and going back in August. You're telling me. <laughs> uh, I am I am on your side with that. Well, it's funny because uh, I have two friends that are teachers, you and my other friend Angel that I yeah. mentioned. Both of you complained to me the same way about going back to school. And so we were talking about, like, I'm surprised... They're saying, like, I'm surprised he wants to go up there on a Tuesday before uh, going back to school on a Wednesday. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, but uh, our other friend couldn't go on a Monday because he had job interviews. Right. And you're like, it's just training. Screw that. <laughs> yeah, well, no, it was an optional thing. So I was like, I was, no, was no, like, no, no. It was more it's about the I'm thing is, like, the Wednesday. You're like, I'm going to be bored anyway. Oh, so yeah. I might as well do Tuesday. Yeah, have it won't fun. be too bad. <laughs> no, and the, the truth of the matter is, I mean, like, Students start tomorrow. Kinders start tomorrow. And then uh, Thursday is when all the rest of the students. It's going to be 111 tomorrow. Yeah. So that's how our state works. Is they're like, our kids aren't in school enough. Let's send them to do PE class. In 111 degree weather. And then you don't really have like an auditorium in your school. So they have a portable with a single window. They have to go outside in that. And portables. Uh, when it comes like, to heat. We legitimate like so there was a heat index chart that we we're looking at today and we we're uh-huh. talking about like at what point is it too much for the kids like to have caution? Yeah, heat exhaustion anybody? Yeah, it and the chart that we saw, which was provided from like uh, the New Mexico Athletics whatever, mm-hmm. um they they only start at forty percent humidity. It's like well we don't get forty percent humidity. You no. Know. Like our temperature is our temperature. We're we're an oven, not humidity. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, so it it's still well. So hear me out. We actually like the weather. I do. I don't I, mind the dry heat. It's just yeah. Again, people always complain. Oh, you live in a dry heat. It's it's dry. You're not humid. It's not like ninety degrees or seventy percent right. humidity. Yeah, you're right. But you know what else is hot? Is an oven. I don't want to live in that either. An oven has a dry heat. Yeah. yeah. But it also has shade, surprisingly enough, too. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it, yeah, we're, it's a slow melt. Yeah. It's a dry melt is what it is, right? That's how our weather works. I no, think... honestly, like, 110 degree weather, yeah, it's really unpleasant if you have to be out in the sun directly. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, since it's so common here, yeah, the hot wind is rough. But since it's so common here, that's you, really you acclimated. To it. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. And, like, the businesses around here... As they know they're doing stuff outside, they don't do work during this time frame. Or they only do stuff that can be, like, you know, help help taken care of, right? Yeah. You know, like, they, the, they help mitigate that And problem. the thing is, we have, like, a, a big uh, roofing. Uh, there's a lot of people who's doing roofing. There's a lot of house stuff uh-huh. out here building. Yep. And so what they'll do is they'll have them go in at, like, 5 or 6 in the oh, morning yeah. before. Very early. Yeah, very early. And then they'll be knocked off by, like, noon, mm-hmm. 1 o'clock. And, and what's cool is, like, we don't have a knife, a nightlife in town. It's just too small for that. Mm-hmm. But during this time of year, if you can tell who has a day job and not, <laughs> not because all of the lights are on at night, you know, yeah. you drive around, you're like, oh, yeah, he has a day job, 
He does not. They do not. Their garage door is open and they're cleaning it and it's two in the morning. What is going on here? Yeah, it, it's it's rough. The heat is rough. I'm not going to deny that. No. I mean, we set a record today with our temperature. It's, mm-hmm. what, 8 o'clock at night and it's still 102 degrees outside. Yep. yep. That That's telling you. It's 8 o'clock at night. Yep. 7.51. It's, it's going to get dark pretty soon, yeah. It is still 102 degrees. Yep. Where my wife... She's in Cleveland training for her new job. Yeah. It's like 75 degrees. Right. And when we went to Tucson last week, it wasn't that much hotter. Yeah, it wasn't that it much hotter. Right the only problem with when we went to Tucson, it was just it felt hotter. because It was humid. It was humid and there was like it was not a lot of breeze. Yeah. It was oddly humid. I remember yeah. getting out of the car for the first time. I'm like, all right, it's not going to be that what in the world? Mm-hmm. There's moisture rough. in the air. What is this? Yeah, it was weird. But again, go to anywhere inside here in, in New Mexico, we have air conditioners everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Uh, both of us now have refrigerated air, so yep. thank God for that. Because mm-hmm. also, it didn't help that we have like little spots of uh, rain lately, so yep. it adds the humidity. If you have a swamp cooler, yep. it's not going to do anything for you. Nope. Nope. I, actually, I do have one more dis- distinct advantage. Where I work, my room is uh, my classroom is directly below the the ac there well your room has to be cooler it has to be I, it's a computer lab yeah. right and and everyone who goes into my classroom they're like wow this is cold i'm like uh-huh yeah sure it is <laughs> uh-huh you're welcome to hang out if you want but so I know you got work it's, to do. it's funny a lot of people used to make fun of my wife because she used to work at a hospital here uh-huh. and she would always wear a jacket 24 7 basically because, oh yeah they keep it cold uh she worked in the mri mri department they have to keep that room under 70 degrees or else the machine will overheat yeah and you don't want an mri machine quenching because nope. of heat nope so yeah so she always had a jacket on yeah so luminous honestly like it's and corrupt, it, it's really not as bad as it sounds. And Creative Chaos lives here too, so yeah, so it's, they know it's it's warm though. It, it's warm, it's unpleasant, but really, like if I I tell this to everybody, yeah, I, when you get into the car, it's like the seat belts are scalding, and so is the this. But wait for a few moments, the air kicks up, right? If it was like blizzard weather. You would have to shovel snow, you'd have to scrape your windows, you have to do all this stuff outside the car first before you can do anything. So, oh yeah, massaging in the heat, oh, I can imagine. Well, and it's funny too, because like, people are like, yeah. why don't you use your garage to park your car? And they're like, it's not going to make any difference. The gra- Yeah, my, my seatbelt's not going to be hot, but the car is still going to be hot. Oh yeah, the car is My garage is about 120 degrees earlier today. <laughs> they don't air condition the garage. <laughs> no. like, that doesn't matter. Well, it's just more like along the shades. Like people are saying, like you put sure. it in the shade, you don't have to worry about all that hot stuff. Yeah. I'm like, it's still going to be hot in the car. It's what just... is funny, next to our parking lot at work, there is a single, like a pretty large tree, like on the edge of the parking lot, and that's where everyone parks. It's like, <laughs> as long as you're in the shade, you're fine. Yeah. It's all good. Well, yeah, with that, that being was... said, before we get started, let's uh, mention a caveat here. We are doing a little things out of order right now, because mm-hmm. uh, we just didn't know if we were going to record today, because you were working late. So right. we were supposed to do a top eight debate, but we didn't have time to put up a poll and stuff like that. So we're moving it to next week. Chits and Giggles has taken its place this week. That's right. Oh, uh, boy, and, do we have a good one for we're, you. And, and we're just swapping them. Yeah. That's all we're doing. We we have a very interesting one that I, like, I was very happy when I came up with this idea. And you <laughs> kind of put it off. You're like, eh, it's fine. Yeah. I was like, okay. And then now's the perfect time for it because I think this is hilarious. 
Uh, uh, did you see any scouts in the wild before we get going? Oh, I'm sure I did. I don't know. I haven't been I, able. We'll, we got you. We got you. We'll yeah, I still haven't been able to go to uh, that particular store to go check. Myself. No, we don't want to give them free advertising. They do enough advertising. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, I'm sure I've seen one. I'll double check, though. All right, but in yeah. this one, our topic is going to be games that shine at each player count. And since we normally do eight is our number, yep. uh, we're doing our eight picks, solo, two-player, up to eight-plus players. Yep, that's right. Um, and for us, with when it comes to the eight, it's eight-plus specifically. So anything higher than an eight-player, yep. it works. And now, so a lot of these games that we picked, and we were discussing this before we started filming and recording, is that we wanted to talk about... Um, Games that really just shine, shine at that player yeah. count. And, and not like, it's like, oh, well, this is like a game that's only two-player. I picked games that I'm like, I would probably not play it outside of that player count. Maybe some wiggle room. But really, I'm like, this this game is, is absolutely fantastic at this player count. And so some of them might be a little strange on here, but it'll make more sense when I, when I go into it. Mm, mine aren't that strange. There's one that's kind of random, but I, I only play this game at this player count, really. Yeah. Mind you, I haven't played this game in a long while. but Yeah, there, there is one where I was like, I would play this at almost any player count, but I do like what it does. Uh, we're also going to change it up a little bit, just because this way you're, it's not we're doing like our 8-plus player game the, all the way down to our solo game. We're actually oh, going to random it, it randomize it by a die face here. A little D8. It's really, really tiny. Yeah, he has a tiny little D8. And... <laughs> Uh, whatever it rolls, we're going to do that number. If it's a number that we've already done, we'll just re-roll it. Or we can just pick the next one down. Yeah, yeah. Either way. <laughs> Don't lose it? it. I have a little baggie for it. <laughs> yep. This little baggie that would normally hold just like two D6s normally, like regular size 16 millimeter, it has a whole polyhedral set. Yep. So, yeah. We should be all right. Yeah, we should be fine. So, you ready to get started? With... Yeah, but before we do, though, okay. I have a question for you, Daniel. What's that? How do you like this segue? Speaking of games that are great at player counts, we've been playing games at different player counts in our group. What have you been playing lately? Every single one of these games that I've been playing lately, I've played at four players. Well, that's your fault, not <laughs> mine. Thanks for ruining my segue. I've played mine at... Yes, I've played... One, two, and three. Yeah, one, two, and three player counts. So the first game that I want to talk about, I'm going to go ahead and get the negative out of the room real quick. This was a game that we played at a buddy of ours, a pick, on, on our game group. It's, it was his pick that night. Oh, was and I here that night? Yes, you were. We were actually texting each other. Oh, And yes. I was hoping to really, really like this game. Mm -hmm. and, I was too. Uh, there, it had its moments. It had some really neat stuff that it was doing, he, but it was so convoluted. Yes. A lot of the stuff that wanted to do. I'm gonna tell you this right now. I don't remember what game it was, but I remember us texting and going, oh, "Really, kind of want this to end." Yeah, and that is the Great Wall. Yeah, it's it was supposed to be like a worker placement game where you're building the wall, you're trying to fight off the Mongol hordes. You're kind of trying to work together, but not working together because, you know, they're, you're, you're rival clans in a sense. Right. And so you're dealing all this stuff, and it was... I, I really wanted to like it. I, I say it's average at best. Um, Sorry, Luminous. We're, we're going to shoot it down a bit. 
but again, your mileage may vary. Yeah, and we'll explain thing, why. And the thing is, this it's, it was long for one thing. It was really, really long. We expected it. It was a we played game. it as four players, brand new to all, all three of us. Events. Yeah. So keep that caveat in mind. But my thing is, is like it was a. It has a really tricky mechanism where you play a card out, then you decide where you want to play the card out. And you then decide you have to play that card out all the way uh, to completion. So the person who played that card, if it's the first one in the line, they do that thing. And then everybody falls with a certain step. And then they could do maybe a bonus action if there's other cards that are in that, what I forget what they called, like the timeline or something like that, or in the, the line. And that takes forever. And then you have to go into the Mongo phase where they're hoarding. And then you have to do this, and you have to do that, and you're trying to gather resources, and your general gives you this power, and your advisors, you got to choose how to use your advisors for this, or mm -hmm. to give you a little bonus ability. It's got it's got a lot of great stuff going for it, but I think it's just too convoluted what it's trying to do. Right. It, it tried to take a simple mechanism, a worker placement, right. and then card drafting or card action play, and trying to... okay. I know they need to do this, but so what do I play this card? Because I know I'm going to be able to do something because of this card. Right. I know someone's going to play that card. And then I get to, I get to take all this. Uh, yeah, it is an engine builder, but the way you build that engine is just, it doesn't fire. Like uh, most card drafting games, like uh, It's a Wonderful World, great engine builder. Gizmos, great engine builder. Wingspan has a decent engine building mechanism. Terraforming Mars, great engine builder. This was more like the jalopy car that you buy off the used card lot, where it has an engine, but is it really that great? Yeah. I have a quick question. Are you going to talk about the, the moon game? The moon game. Super... Okay. Uh, we already talked about okay, it. Okay, cool. Um, so, Illuminous, I agree with you. I do think people want that degree of complexity, but it could be done. Smart Tsukuyumi Down was an example of how it was done. Mm -hmm. That 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 could have been overcomplicated but the way that they took it yeah it, it wasn't cleaner the problem like the reason why i thought it was convoluted is that yeah the game was, oh, the game gorgeous. was amazing the art is amazing it i feel like very strongly that suit or great wall would be much better at two players at four it definitely outstayed its welcome three and, i think it would be okay uh, honestly it just because that, yeah. things you're, you're the downturn because i think this that game holds up to like four or five right. players I would not want to play it at a higher player count again. I wouldn't want to play it again. I wouldn't like, mind at all. I wouldn't mind I wouldn't playing play. it again because there were so many moving parts. There were some missed rules and stuff yeah. like that. I want to try to give it a second chance. Sure. But as of right now, it just like what I had the biggest problem with, right, mm -hmm. is that you. But, but I had two problems with it. One, you had kind of like that initiative thing where you're trying to jump like up an initiative. Yeah. But that's only the initiative of how the turns are taken per card, but then the cards themselves have their own turn order, and then the priority goes to whoever played play the, the card. card. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, like, it's kind of weird how it works. So, like, when you're playing, you when you play the card, you don't yes. really get to do the turn order. So, like, if I play this card to put dudes on the map, right. I don't get to put my dudes on the map first because of the way the initiative is. You right. get to put your dudes on the map, but then I have, like, a different ability. So, like, yeah. I can put stuff... Like, I can put all the stuff that I want to put out on one spot right. where you have to split every spot. It's just... It is it, so... Like, that part of it was frustrating. Like, in, and when you get to that level, it's like, well, you're going to play a card 
that uh, your turn order will will decide when you get to decide when you want to play it. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, there's no benefit to doing like really like I, straight up. There is really no benefit to choosing what turn order there is, yeah. unless if you're like, oh, well, I want to go first. I have a disadvantage. Oh, it's like, but I want to go last. It didn't matter when the cards were played. Really, it could have been just as simple as pick them at random mm-hmm. and then follow that initiative order. Well, if you want to do yours quicker jump on that order it would have given it more substance than that uh, and it's also a, like a lot of the stuff like if you do certain certain things alone by yourself then you get shame which basically takes soldiers away for you it right. is it's yeah critical chaos it is very overly complicated for what it's trying to do yeah because uh, it's trying to blend engine building with worker placement right. with uh kind of like a card selection action selection style game Mm-hmm. Uh, that also has to um, basically fight Mongol hordes that are coming in. So you have right. a little, not really dudes on the map, but there is a war concept on it, and you have to be more yeah. efficient at that war than the other players. Right. And so, yeah, it's just, it has too many moving parts for me to really, really enjoy it. I like convoluted games. Yeah, there's plenty of plenty of games to that level that I've played that I've really enjoyed. Tsukuyumi like, being one. Yeah, Tsukuyumi being one. Um, and and that's definitely not my style. But my other argument against it, and the other reason I personally didn't like it, mm-hmm. is that I felt that that there was, inc- despite how complex it was, there were some incredibly arbitrary choices. And what I mean by that is the, the worker placement part of the game, if you're the only one to go there, you're going to get essentially a penalty, mm-hmm. right? And and I knew that going in, and then by playing that way, that either that that gives players like, oh, well, if I see Daniel going just for that spot, I can either jump in there, and neither of us would get a penalty, or I can refuse to go there and stick him with a penalty. Mm-hmm. And that's and since there's so many times where you're moving your people around before anything is resolved, like you're either completely following. Or you're blindly choosing because it's gonna change. It's gonna mm-hmm. change about four or five times before anything resolves. And mm-hmm. my problem with that is that, and, and you saw how I, I think you noticed what I was doing. I'm like, I'm a hundred percent going for the penalties mm-hmm. because here's the thing: if you guys don't want the penalties, you're gonna jump on there anyway. But if you guys are gonna stick with me, I might as well have that choice. Yeah, so I was actually aiming for the empty spots on purpose to make you guys make that decision. And I was like, I'm going to see at the end of the game if there is enough way for me to mitigate these. Mm -hmm. Because then at that point, if the game doesn't provide me enough ways to mitigate these penalties that I'm accruing on, like, out of my control, Mm -hmm. then that tells me that there's no agency in the game. And that was my goal, is I did everything that I could functional-wise to get rid of the penalties but then at the same time during the worker placement, I was accruing them on purpose. Because I felt that it would have given me that option yeah. to be able to mitigate enough of them. And that means that you could straight up king make in that. And that's that's why I had that frustration with yeah. it. I was like, it was already convoluted, and then it is. Yeah, we we might. Yeah, I mean, yeah honestly, I, like I said, I have no problem giving it yeah. another chance. It's just... It didn't seem to me like I wanted to, because I was going into it after watching the Watch It Played video for it. Not Watch It Played, exactly, but uh, their their personal video right. on YouTube. I'm like, I like what it's doing. I don't really get how that's supposed to work properly. Right. But it, it's still, it's just, 
it's it's doing too much. There there has to be a line somewhere. Right. You could take out like honestly, if you took out like the card thing that you're talking about, mm -hmm. or you know the shame possibilities as well, that game would seem a little bit better because you have more agency in what you're doing right. instead of having to rely on what other people are doing as well. Right. And here's the thing: like there's always a saying. Uh, that we that everyone always says in our game group uh, when it's a versus game, kill the wizard first, first, right? Yeah. And and it's a joke, right? It's a it's a funny thing. But if the game benefits you by screwing someone over, I'm the loser in <laughs> that game. And when the game makes it where it's beneficial to mess someone over like that, mm -hmm. that's why I was like, I need to see if this game is gonna allow me to to mitigate all the crap that you guys are going to dish to me because I know it's coming. And that's why I had to go for that, right? There was really... <laughs> like, that's why I went full Loki when I played yeah, yeah. that. I knew you guys were going to do that. So I have to see if I can pull it off. All right, like, so... go it, extreme, right? Into the inside joke. Kill the so, Wizard first comes from... Uh, no. What is that Dungeons & Dragons game you were playing? Was uh, it Dragonfire? Something like that, yeah. Something he was like playing, that. like... Yeah. So there's a card that always came up. He played the Wizard. Yep. And there's a card that always came up that said uh, kill the wizard first. Right. And so now it's just a joke because you're also a magician. So, right. so <laughs> kill the wizard first. Kill the wizard. And I totally get it. And that's it, not a fault to it. But if 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 you guys yeah, have that right. much if you guys have that much choice to just go, all right, we're all going to compete and we're making him lose too. <laughs> it's nothing against you, but yeah. if the game allows it, that's a problem. Yeah, no, I get that. Yeah, I should have a way yeah. to, to mitigate, mitigate that, yeah. and I don't feel that it did. And with that negative out of the way, yeah. what that, is your first game? <laughs> I'm so sorry. And Illumina's, like I said, there's a lot of cool things going into it, and I think you might dig it still. Yeah. That's just my, the first time I played it, it just got frustrating. But that's me. The art's really nice in that. That that is top oh, notch. Yeah. The components are phenomenal, right? Mm, yeah, They're really cool. Lincoln Realm's really good on that part. Yeah. I, I got nothing against it, and the rules were pretty solid. Like I like we understood. Good, yeah, exactly what's going yeah. on. It's just it's very convoluted. On yeah. all honesty. All right, my first one that I wanted to talk about was uh, one that I played fairly recently, and it's from one of my favorite designers. Well, um, I shouldn't say one of my favorite designers. He designed my favorite game of all time, but his other you games... You already played this. I already played it. Damn. I already played you it. You bought it, what, a week ago? I did. <laughs> I bought it when we're in... I bought it literally one week ago, and we. I've already played it. Got it to the table. Got it to the table as a two-bar game. It's a game called Fire and Stone. And this is about... You are um, basically, like, not really cavemen, but, like, the first settlers um, kind of spreading out from uh, South South Africa. And you're going amongst all these regions. There's a little bit of engine building. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's just where... Central it Africa? No, it starts in South Africa. It's just to where it starts. It's just how you move on the board. Sure. So you have a base movement. You always move two spots. And then you flip over the token that's on it. If the token's already face up, you do the action. So at first it seems a bit random. He's staring at his dog right now. Um... At, it's not Stone Age. No, no. It's uh, called uh, Fire and Fire Stone. Fire and Stone, yeah. Right. Uh, it's a uh, Pegasus Spiel? Is it? Yes, yeah, twenty one. I think it is, yeah. It's Pegasus Spiel. Um, it's made by Klaus Jürgen Verda, uh, who made Carcassonne. So that's why I bought it, knowing into it. And so at first, it gives you this idea. It's like, oh, it's just kind of a random move, and then see what tile it is, right? <laughs> but there's really more to it than that. There is... That dog is staring at us. He's very interested <laughs> in this game. If you unleash a, if you make a campsite, 
well, then that campsites are really good because that first gives you a point, mm -hmm. but then anybody can spawn from those campsites from then on out. Also, when you go to a campsite, you can cook your food, which is another spot. If you find a forest tile, you, you draw three of the tokens, you look at them, and you get the first pick. So anybody who goes from there from subsequent turns gets to pick lesser and lesser food, which will either let you build up your engine to get more bags, or it'll let you get more food okay. in total. And so you can only do that by cooking it, though. So yeah. that's important. So you need to go to the campsites. But then you also have tiles that'll just straight up give you points. Um, you have tiles that will uh, let you like get certain kind of crops, and you can gather certain ones, which will let you get uh, different game abilities, which will let you like move further or build a boat and move across water. Yeah. Tiles. So there's some simple stuff in it, but what makes it really interesting is that in Age Two, oh, you're building your you're building your um, huts on there, and that's mainly how you get your points. Mm -hmm. And so there's only a few spots where you're going to be fighting over. The, the majority for these huts. Mm -hmm. The part that makes it really interesting, there is a deck of 24 cards, and you shuffle them up, and you put one of them on the board at the beginning of the game. 24 cards, and you choose one at random. And when you flip over the cave tile, it will introduce a new mechanism or rule or point value system or something else. Yeah that then you need to work for. So um, the one that we got was something like, uh, it was like a really important like settling city. Okay. And it was like, oh, well now huts on this city are worth two points instead of one. Majorities are still normal, right? And so then suddenly me and my friend Jim, we were <laughs> fighting over that city. Because <laughs> like, in order to, to put a hut there, you have to pay more than the total number of huts that are already there. Okay. And so, like, it, there's a lot of cool give and take, give back and forth, bit, like, kind of bidding on spots for majorities, points, all that stuff. It's a very simple core game. It works pretty well. I liked it. I don't think that it was... Uh, I would give it probably a solid 7 out okay. of 10. I'm, I'm raving about it a little bit. I want to play it more because I really like that turning point. Where I think you, you might up. like it when it's at a higher player count, too. That's true. I only played this two, so there was a lot less stuff going around. Yeah. So I would like to try it, too. But overall, it, it was pretty interesting, and I'm curious to try it again. All right, let's see here. So... If you need to tilt it, you can. So can that give a person advantage, disadvantage, based on what you were doing before... So, yes, to a degree, from what I understand, some of them are pretty interactive. I didn't look through all of them because I kind of wanted to see, like, the surprise of it. But the one we did was specifically catering to just the spot that we flipped over. Um, so, as soon as it became a cave, it became a place where you could put huts, where normally you have to find a spot to do it. But for some of the others, does seem like it, it would give some players an advantage, which may or may not be good, but it everything seemed mitigatable. So like, everybody still has a chance. It's just somebody had a head start on information that they didn't know anyway. So there's that. It was pretty fun. Cool. I, I, I do want to check this one out. I've been looking at it, but... Oh, hold on. One more thing. When you're getting the crops, you remember those special abilities I was talking about? Yeah. You also have the, the option of getting victory points instead of, the, of a new ability. However, you have a deck of cards that start at three points, then two, then one. And then a higher player counts starts at four points. And so they dwindle down. So the sooner you act on it, the better. Mm -hmm. But in order to take that card, you have to cover up a previously gained ability. 
So you lose that ability, but you gain potentially the better points. That was really cool. That's, that's I like that. That's that was neat. a smart little turning point on it. Anyway, what's your next game that you've been playing? So the next game is one we have talked about uh, for a while. I finally got myself a copy of this after hunting it for a while. Because I wanted the specific one that you had, but I could never find it. Oh. So I ended up buying myself a copy, which it's a fine version of it. And this is Sid Saxon's Can't Stop. Ooh, yep, right took, above your head. Yeah, there. took it over to some friend's house of ours. I've mentioned them before, Angel Maria. Because I really wanted to show it to my wife and my, my other friend. They're both really thinky players, and so Push Your Luck is kind of hit or miss with them. Right. Oh, they love this game. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's pure fun, because it's like, do I keep going? I already got my third runner out there. Do I keep wanting to mess with things? You know what I mean? And so, yeah, no, it's it does really well. It, that one's actually a nice version. It, the stop sign is actually a player mat that uh -huh. you can actually turn, and things don't slide. The Your your runners, uh -huh. your runner pieces are good, chunky wood pieces. Interesting. Uh, the dice are just like the sure. plain dice. Yeah, it is, it's a really nice uh, copy of it. We had a blast playing it. It's real simple. You roll four dice. You got to make a pair on them. You have to put, if you can put two runners, you have to put two runners out. Mm -hmm. But there was times, like, especially after we had our runners already out, uh, like in my second or third turn, I was just hitting sevens. Like, I could make both pair of dice into sevens. So yep. I'm just moving that one runner without having to put my other runner on the board. So, which is such a good strategy. <laughs> yeah, too. it's so fun. Um, and we were joking with my wife and messing with her and told her like, yeah, keep doing it, keep doing it. Because she had all three of her runners out. She was already maxed out on the seven. Oh, she okay. had a runner on a two and a runner on the four. She hit snake eyes and two twos twice to win the game. Wow. I'm like, that is amazing. That was so much fun. Yeah. She really had a blast. I about stand up moments. Yeah. Right? Like uh, she had a blast. My other friend who they're, they're really like in the heavier side of games. Uh, like, like where they like to strategize. They don't like really a lot of locking games. Sure. This one, they just were laughing and joking, and a everybody's egging someone on. It's like, do it. Come on. You know you want to roll the dice. You know you want to do it. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Doing that sort of stuff, and we were having a blast doing it. I got close to winning. I had I had mine on the seven as well. I was one away on the twelve, and I was like two or three away from the six. Yep. But yeah, and right before it got back to my turn is when she ended it. <laughs> <laughs> so of course you can't do. stop it's such a good game all right my next one i want to talk about and i can only talk about it briefly because uh me me and uh my mutual friend that we played fire and stone with um that i played fire and stone with um him and i have been really getting into escape rooms a little bit more lately because we've been working a little bit on it because him and i own a own an escape room business mm -hmm. so we're talking about it and for inspiration we've been playing uh one of the unlock series is it the the gaming one? No, it's no. not. It's the Heroic Adventures. Okay, and yeah, yeah, yeah. This one has three different ones. One is a video game themed. Um, one is Sherlock Holmes, and one is Alice in Wonderland. And so, and it's in that order of from easier to harder. Yeah. Um, we we both love Sherlock Holmes theme. We he's a huge video gamer, and I could just say like they they've made so many of these unlock scenarios and stuff, and you would think that after a while they would start getting it uh, boring. Mm -hmm. Sorry. They would start. They would start running out of ideas and stuff, and that's a legitimate concern. Yeah. Um, I can tell you as far as that heroic adventures one, which is not quite their new list. It was like last year or something. Yeah. Um, the things that it did <laughs> was so cool. Like that's those cool. were every single time I play an unlock game, it gets better and better and better, and just some of the cool things. I will say, like, um, 
non-spoiler, it's not too spoilery, but one of the scenarios uh, definitely used the app to great effect. Like, mm, it okay. was, like, there was times where you would just have to, like, kind of go, okay, how am I going to do this, and how am I going to adapt the app? And you would, like, hover your picture over it, and it would have overlaid pictures on top of the cards. Okay. And it's, there's no QR codes or anything like that. Yeah. So it's, it had to figure out how to how to figure out what it was looking at and how to put okay. the images on top of it. And they worked really well. That's cool. And so there's a lot of cool little stuff on that. Um, but it's so great. And uh, Grit 12 Gauge, thank you for joining the chat. New support games, loving all of them. Just pick up Brass Birmingham, Lost Island. Sweet. Nice. Good choices. Uh, which one do you play first? I've not played Lost Island nor Brass Birmingham. I've been wanting to play Brass Birmingham, though. The you only one I've played is uh, Brass Birmingham. So I'd recommend starting with that. But just be forewarned, it is a heavy game. Yeah. If you're you're saying you're newish to games, I don't know the weight of Lost Island. But my recommendation, probably Brass Birmingham because it looks really fun. But no going into it that it's a heavier game. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, for your player counts, stick around while we talk about that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, so the Unlock Heroic Adventures, I'm really, I was really impressed with it. The last one I played from Unlock was really good. And I like how, I'm okay with the destruction of the exits, because mm -hmm. they do a lot of cool manipulative stuff. But, so Unlock had to step it up on the app side of it, yeah. and it really does. So both of those are still fantastic. I still don't need to play my Star Wars copy. I know, same here, and as well as my board game meta one. <laughs> yeah, so I, I want to get the board game one as well. I, I, I can't wait to play that one. Alright, so moving into my next game, let's go into a heavier style game here. It's actually relatively new to me. Well, it is new to me, uh, but I'm talking about like just getting it in the mail. I think it's not even a month old since I bought it. Oh. Uh, this is one our mutual friend wants to play. You've looked at it and thought it was kind of interesting too. This one is Books of Time. Yes. It yes. is it's I want to it is really really neat. And it's not that complicated. Now, at a four player game, especially cuz I played it all four players were new to it, it was a little while. It says 60 minutes on the box. It took us nearly 3 hours to play the game. Oof. Yeah. And again, it's just because there's sure. there's yeah. uh, it, brand new like like I was telling them like, now that we've played this and we know how everything works, I think it'll go faster. I don't think it's going to be 60 minutes at four players. I do not believe, maybe if that's all right. you play, yeah. then you'll hit 60 minutes. Honestly, this is closer to a two-hour game for me at a four-player four count. Yeah. Uh, now, I don't think it says per player. No, it says 45 to 60 minutes, so it's not per player. Uh, but I have played it. It's really neat what it does. You get three books. It's industry, science, and uh, travel or something like that. And what you're doing is you take six actions on your... You, so we're playing roughly 15 rounds. You could take one of six actions on your turn, which then can you know multiply into several other actions on your turn. So like, if I do a page out of my book, I could do this to gain a paper, and then I could spend that paper to write something in my book for that cost instead of what that cost is up there. Uh, because you'll have some pages above your board. You'll have some pages that you can bid on, not bid on, but like you can say, okay, I'm going to take two of these pages and put them here. And then when I want to write them in the page, I have to pay the cost of wherever they're at. Okay. And so it has a really neat mechanism with the, the writing of the pages and stuff like that. And so what happens when you use a page, you turn the page, and so now you have, like, different pages in there. Um, you each all have your own individual scoring things that you want to get to at the end of the game because the highest score wins. And so the way it works is, like, say you're on green. It tells you you need to have 
three different symbols of pages. And if then I'm like, okay, I meet that objective. You can go somewhere on a track, take that objective off. Now I need four different symbols of objectives for me to score those points at the end of the game. All right, well, I have met that one. Let me go no. over here. Let me pull that one off. This way I could try to meet this one over here. Right. And that one says you need four different objectives and one of a certain type. So like this one is like communication. So I need to get sure. another communication in that book. And so you're just doing all that to try to get you the most points where you have to pull the stuff off for you to try to score the bottom one. However, if you don't meet that requirement of the third one at the end of the game, you lose all that progress in points. Ooh. So it's kind of like, do I, pull it off? Yeah. Right. Do, I, do I pull that off or not? Um, another thing, uh, one of the hardest ones is the yellow book. This is the one I call travel. I forget what it's actually called in the, um, I think it's trade is what it's called in the books. Yeah. And so this one, you have to put the symbols in a specific way and they can't be broken up by another symbol like you start with pages that are just basically your starting pages they don't have a symbol on them so they could be in the middle of it as long as you're turning the pages and your symbols yeah. are matching so like mine i concentrated for most of the game and i shouldn't have because it's one of the harder books it gives you the most points it gives you 24 points but i concentrated on getting everything in the right order in that i didn't concentrate on most of the other stuff that i needed to do to get points so i just before warren the trade one is the hardest one it also gives you the most points i think it's 24 points if you pull it off okay mine had to go uh ship donkey cart cart ship and that's how i had to put them into the book and when i was like reading the rules i was like Oh, I messed up. I should have pulled the cart one instead. This way I could start it from the tie, uh, the top. Uh, book of Time reminds me of the Big Book of Madness. Nothing like Big Book of Madness. I played that one. That's a deck builder. This is nowhere near that. No. This is a engine builder through and through. Uh, your six actions are um, using pages from your book. You use the back page and the front page, and then you turn it and do those actions. You can write pages into your books, and then you pay the resources of, over where they're at. You can move up on a track by paying the resources there. Um, you get to take pages and put them in your track. And I think there was what I can't remember what the sixth action is, but it's pretty much about the getting blues. pages. Uh, yeah, I can see. <laughs> yeah, it's it's got a lot of stuff going on it, but it's so good. It's really really good. I want to play this again. That's how much I really enjoyed it. I it, definitely agree with Illuminous, though. Like, the, the theming, like, the, yeah. the the flavor that you probably get in from it. In a sense, uh, this one, to me, but... it's... Um, the Big Book of Madness is all about building a grimoire, in a sense, right? Right. This one is about you're writing the history of a civilization. So, oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, so that's what you're doing. So, like, your travel, like, when you're doing the trade pages, you'll see, like, it's a ship going around the, the Horn of Africa... Or uh, going through um, certain straits and stuff like that. Or the, the Silk Road and stuff like that. Some of the artwork on there. So it's more civilization based. So like uh, the ec economy books is like jazz music and um, just basic invention like writing and stuff like that. Yeah. And then, I can't uh, wait to try Yeah, it is, it's really, really neat. I really do like it. I can see the binder part of it actually wearing out pretty quickly sure. as much as you have to open and close it but it is so good i really enjoyed it cool awesome books of time mm -hmm. uh my next one i want to talk about and i'm going to give a uh quick warning i apologize very much in advance for all of the pronunciations i am going to do terribly wrong here i played scovintir which is 
uh, a solo game from Impatience Games. Um, they it's their brand newest title. It is based on I think Danish folklore, um, where you are basically spirits of the forest uh, fighting against their version of the devil, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you are a badger called Vokter. You are a badger. Uh, <laughs> you in this game too, and <laughs> you are you are playing. You have a wooden uh, meeple that's screen printed, and it's a badger called Vokter, and you're the one who. You're playing as that character, making calls okay. and and doing actions. Where you're running away from uh, Gamla Eric, I think his name is, and he's basically this weird demonic human guy. They're, they're devil thing. Anyway, the meeple is like no joke, like that big. It's Jeez. big. It's almost the size of a normal cart. Well, anyway, you have these forest uh, tiles that are out. There's mm-hmm. six of them, and you're basically trying to maneuver away from him because the way you win is by defeating his six minions. That you're going to be defeating. Uh, that take two, three, or four cards to defeat. Um, Gamla Eric, if he ever gets to your character, your pawn, you lose immediately. So don't let that happen while trying to defeat his minions. Okay. Um, I'm going to say this right now. The rulebook, a little tough. Um, it was hard to understand, especially the well, fact that I don't know the folklore. Which I, I will give it credit for that. That's I think fine. a big part of it, too, is that uh, Impatience Polish? German? Uh, Belgium. Belgium. Yeah, so he probably speaks pretty good English, but the translation aspect of it, too. Because I had the same problem with Books of Time. Right. Because it's translated from Polish. Right. It's Polish. And I I don't remember... um, I don't remember if it came from a different language or not, but I do know that that it it was... For some reason about it, it was just kind of tough to... Maybe I was just in the wrong mindset. Mm. But anyway, you have have a deck of cards, and you have a few that are going to be face up. It's called the Future, and there's three of them. And those are normally the ones you can get a hold of. Um, in order to get the cards in your hand, though, you would basically have to pay a penalty to take a specific card. Like, it might be move Gamla Eric forward. It might be, um, like, do discard another card that was already in there. It might be do all sorts of different things that, that you have to do in order to just get that card in your hand, in order to call for them. Then to play them, you either use them as their ability, which is normally much better, like some of the abilities let you just take... Uh, two cards from the from the future without doing the penalties. Or one is um, move Gamble Eric back three spaces. All really cool options. Yep. However, in order to play the, in order to defeat the minions, you have to play these cards. Okay. On there and mean and that means you don't get their ability because some of the cards might get placed face up into the forest and they might get. Uh, the forest cards might get damaged, in which they are, you flip it over, and then if they get damaged again, you have to get rid of them, thus making the forest smaller and easier for him to catch up to you. Mm. And so there's a really cool timing aspect to it. Whenever you draw uh, a Gamla Eric card uh, from the future, he immediately moves forward a space, and you shuffle him back into the deck. Or you throw him out to the bottom, sorry. But then he comes right back. So all of those cards that you're getting, you can never hold on to them. You have to do it. And if he's the furthest left on the future, you must take him, if that's the case. Oh, if you need yeah. to take any cards. You, normally you can choose anywhere in there, yeah. but if he's on the furthest left, you got to take him. And then they slowly start whittling in. So this timing is really cool, and it works really well. The first game, I got destroyed. <laughs> it wasn't even close. Well, oh, that sounds about right for Impatience game. I remember the first time I played on Nyra, oh, I yeah. got destroyed. It, it hurts, it hurts. And see, the cool part about it is that each of these five characters that you're calling on, you have to have, like, basically a set of them. 
In order, like, the two biggest minions, you need four of each of them. Okay. It, which means I have to take four of the same character and play them in order for me to defeat that minion. Which is doable, but there's five copies of the card in the game. Uh, okay. So that hurts, right? And when you focus on that, it was a little bit easier. Now, here's the problem, though, is that if you're using them for abilities, you're discarding them, and you're not using them for their sets. Mm. But then you're already paying the penalty by taking the cards in the first place. So I wasn't understanding this at first. I was like, oh, I'm going to use this ability. I'll mitigate this stuff. I'll do that. And I just got destroyed. Second time I played it, I actually beat it because I was like, okay, now I start to understand. It's like, really, I need to focus on the sets. And then I need to use the abilities as a backup, even though I'm suffering all these penalties. Okay. It was cool. I actually had a lot of fun. It is one to four players, but I played it as a solo game because that's really kind of, there's really no That's what Impatience is about. Yeah, it's it's has to be like solo focused, but will work with multiplayers. Yeah, I was actually really impressed by it. Okay. Um, it it's up there. It it's up there with on the same peg as a lot of the Oniverse series. It, okay, it had some really smart choices in it. So Scoventeer from Impatience Game. All right, so the last game I'm going to talk about. Uh, we were talking about this what Sunday uh-huh. when we were watching the Spiel de Jara stuff. Which we'll get Spoilers. into in a few weeks. Um, yeah, we'll talk this, about that. This one, after playing it, I could have seen winning the spiel, but it didn't. Spoiler. Uh-huh. Uh, but I really did enjoy it. It's four to eight players, I think is what it is. Wait, where did you play this? At my friend's house, Angel Maria's on Saturday. Did you buy a copy of it? Yeah, I own a copy. Oh, It I came in with Books of Time. I didn't realize you got a copy. Yeah, of it. I have a copy of it. Remember, mm-hmm. I was looking for it when we were up in Albuquerque. Never found right. it, so I just ordered it. Yep. Um, yeah, and this is fun facts. I like this game. Um, me and the wife were talking about it. This is probably her least favorite out of the three, but she still sure, enjoyed it. I agree with that. It this one fun. is because it's not really a game. Right. It is just a really fun activity. Yeah, that's really all it is. Um, it's a good, like, breaking of the ice. Uh, so I lent it to my friends because they were having a company picnic uh, that Sunday, and she has new employees. So she's like, can I borrow this? I'm like, yeah, knock yourself out. Uh, and what it is basically is you draw a card and you it asks a question. Uh, it could be like on a scale of 0 to 100, what is your likelihood to skydive? And so what happens is the first player puts out what they think there is, and it's all hidden information. And then the next player has to choose if they think they're going to be above or below uh, the first player. Like, uh, do you think she's going to like skydiving more than me? So they have to place it there. I knew I was going to be at the bottom because I have no interest in skydiving. I was like, Mm-mm, no way, no how. I put a zero. <laughs> but where do you think I would put in that? Like, what number yeah. would I put, right? That's the game. That's the game. It's like you have to figure out, like, okay, if I'm playing against this guy, what's his interest to it? So I know for a fact I'm going to be in the lowest, and because I put a zero, I was like, nope, I'm going all the way at the bottom. <laughs> what do you think my number would be on a scale from 1 to 100? Or 0, zero to 100, 100, I think yours would probably be like a 78. Wow, you really think I would go for it, huh? Yeah. Mine would be a 2. <laughs> That's, I would be scared out of my mind. I do not like that idea at all. I don't like that idea at all. That's why mine, at a 0 to 100, I put a 0. <laughs> and so yeah. I really, really did enjoy it. I'm not going to say no. <laughs> Like, I figured I would, I would do that say, if, like, oh, hell no. if, if I had to make an emergency exit from a plane, I would skydive. You know what I would say? 
you just go down with the plane. Well, no, it's funny because people always ask me, like, I'm like, why am I going to jump out of my perfectly plane? Okay, what if it's going down? I'll take my chances. I'll take my chances. <laughs> Tom yeah. Hanks survived it in Castaway. I think I can do it. Right. <laughs> There's a possibility. But, like, no, I'm, <laughs> no. Because in all honesty, I'd probably die just skydiving. I'll have a heart attack in midair. Right. I, I would only do it in case of an emergency, <laughs> then I'd do it. Mm-mm. But I probably wouldn't try to put myself in that position. No, yeah. so... And so that's that's the part of what makes the game cool. Well, yeah, it's like you're, you're trying like, to figure out... Oh, yeah, he's a 78. Like, yeah, he's a... He's, a he's out there, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I'm going to go down this way. Yeah. Nope. Ain't doing it. So I know I'm going to be at the bottom. And most people who do know me know I'm not going to be at the bottom. Right. Mm-mm, ain't doing it. Yep. So we ended up playing this game. Uh, I started hosting a game night with some of my coworkers to yeah. like team building. And this was the best game I could have brought. Like, oh, yeah. They loved this because it opened up that conversation. Like it's a great team yeah. building. It was like, like an hour long game. If you have, let's say, like were like you were, you're a teacher, right? Mm-hmm. And my friend, they're they're a business owner. Yep. This is a great way to introduce new people that you are not used right. to just yet. Like she hired like two, three new people, yep. and she was having them over for their their company picnic. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, go ahead and borrow it because, yeah, see, Creator Cray Oscars, I mean, she'd probably stay on the plane, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't blame you. Uh, so, yeah, it is it's such a phenomenal game. She's like, I'm probably going to have more people than the eight-player count. I'm like, yeah. that's fine. You have just one. Just use the dry erase boards in there for because like, mm-hmm. you can use the card one to protect the, the yeah. one that has supposed to hold the card side. Oh, you can yeah. just use that to protect the, the writing. Because yep. you just put it face down. That's all you got to do, and, yep. and then just flip it as you go along. Yep. And we were making the game out of it by, uh, okay, it's the, you're the first player, so just flip yours first. Yeah. And then to see how everybody's reaction is like, oh, oh that's fun. <laughs> that's a fun idea. I like that. Yeah. Because you just hear the the communal. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I thought you were so much higher. Because we we were actually doing it in the proper way, and I'm like, you know what? You just flip yours first. Let's see what the, let's see how it happens. And sure enough, she flipped it, and there was like, ah, uh, grounds. And I'm like, well, I'm in the right spot, so I don't know what you guys are complaining about. <laughs> That's funny. But and yeah, then... no fun facts. It's a great activity. It is somewhat of a fun game because all it really is, it's it's co-op in a sense, and you're just trying to make the most point total. Yeah. Uh, they depend wherever you're on a scale. So it's really just an activity more than anything, but it's still fun. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And then Illuminous, yes, Mantis is actually surprisingly fun. Like, it shouldn't be as fun as it is. I played it at a restaurant with my family, and they loved it. It actually works really well. I'm actually increasingly impressed with Ken Gruel's designs, and I know he was a co-designer on that. So I can recommend Mantis if you want, like, a good icebreaker. Pretty good stuff. I don't know. Fun facts, though. For fun facts is great, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like, if you want a, if you want a very casual just, like thing, Mantis is actually surprisingly fun. Who in the heck is he lame? I don't know. He, he has his paw around my <laughs> ankle. Um, so, last game I wanted to talk about, I'll go pretty quick because we were, we're already... Almost about an time. hour, yeah. yeah. But uh, I played a game that I was very excited to get. And I definitely got it, and I was incredibly excited to play it because it just sounded really cool. And we ended up playing it, and I was thoroughly impressed. This is Disney animated. Okay, I was I thought you were gonna go with the new film. Nope, the Disney animated. Yeah, I thought about it. No, uh, Disney Walt Disney animated from Funko Games. I still want to pick me up a copy of this. It's fantastic. It is. I've so heard good. I've heard really it, good things online about it. So, okay. I like Villainous a lot. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really cool game how it works. And this is a very different game, 
but it has a very similar feel, but now co-op. Now we're working together to defeat the villains. The components are amazing. The theming is fun, because the premise of the game is simple. You are animating these classic Disney films, and the villains from these films, um, like you have, I forget the one in Fantasia, but you have like the Cruella de Vil. Bal- Bal- Balrog? Balrog, yeah. Something, something like, that. like that, yeah. yeah. No, Balrog is Lord of the Rings, but yeah, whatever it's it is. something with a B. Yeah. Uh, Beelzebub, sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, then you have Cruella. Then you have uh, Jafar from Aladdin. And every character works differently, and you're each playing as a, as a different film. But these villains know that at the end of the film, they're going to be defeated. So they want you to not make the film so that doesn't happen. So these villains are fighting against you animating the film that they're in. What a bizarre premise. But the components... Chernabog. Chernabog, there you go. We knew there was a B in there. Uh, <laughs> Beelzebog. Uh, so, no, it, it's a really cool premise. It's definitely weird. But you, it does the same action selection that uh, Arc Nova does. Really? Is that, that yes. Same? You have a few... You can either get paints for different kinds of panels. You can draw certain cards to help you okay. uh, defeat against the, the bad stuff that's happening every round. You can um, play a song, which is your own unique ability, and they will all work in different ways. Like, uh, my friend, he was uh, Snow White, so he, uh, he played, a, he would hand out the Seven Dwarves tokens, where mine, I was playing as Fantasia, so I had to put song tokens on the actions that were there. Okay. Um, the genie, um, my, my other friend was playing as Aladdin, so he had the genie token, which he would put above us above an action, and when somebody else took it, they would get a bonus action each. And so just different things like this. But once you're done animating the film, you have your own unique way to defeat the villain. Hmm. It was cool. I was genuinely impressed with it, and I'm super intrigued to try it again, and probably again and again. This is a game that's going to keep hitting my collection. What what it sounds to me is this was uh, Prospero Hall's way of taking back the, the, that Disney uh, mechanism for villainous. I feel so. And, and like, just it's a very it different a mechanism. Yeah, yeah. But I feel very much like like they saw Ark Nova make that action selection and they're like, that's cool. How yeah. can we how can we do that? And they applied it to Disney in a really smart way. It's not as complicated as it looks at first because it does mm-hmm. look very yeah. complicated. It does take a while, but it, you are so engaged, and your choices really matter. I'm hoping this does well, because this sounds like this is basically Funko's answer to Villainous, in uh-huh. a sense. And two, this could possibly be, what, the second or third game that they finally decide to start expanding? Right, and it does say Volume 1 on it. Yeah. So, so I mean, and they could easily just sell the packs, and they even include tuck boxes specific to the characters. Now, I'm going to have one caveat that I want to put in there. There's only one thing I was disappointed in. Yeah, yeah, I know this one already. And it was part of the components. They come shipped with these tiles that are in the scenes that you're animating. And those tiles, unfortunately, on one of my boards, like I think the glue spilled out and started tearing up the pictures. Mm. I will say I contacted Funko. They were kind enough to, to uh, send me a copy soon. I actually got the notification pretty soon. Not a copy of the game, but that, that board. Card, yeah. um, they won't replace. They they do say on their board they won't or on their um, website that they don't replace boxes or rule books or anything yeah. like that. But like specific components that you really need for the game, mm-hmm. like that, yeah, they they all help out. And mine was only functionally or uh, functionally is fine. Just aesthetically, aesthetically it, was, yeah. it was torn up a bit. 
So not a big deal. Um, and they okay. were they were cool to send yeah. it, and they didn't have to. That's um, because they're not asthmatic, thank God. Yeah, no, they they very well could have, and like, and I was a little worried because I was hoping. I'm glad they didn't just send. Oh, we'll take it back to the store you bought it from. Well, that's in a different state. Well, it wasn't in a different so, state. It was in a different city. Oh, a different city, but it was still like a distance away that I wasn't going to go. Um, they but, still have the same policy. Yeah, but yeah. Either way, I was actually really impressed with it. Walt Disney animated, definitely one of their most complicated games, though. But we'll give it that. Yeah. Out so. of all the Funko games, I think it is the most. I think it does beat Pan American as far as complicated. I don't know. That one's pretty tough. I'm trying to think of what else is really. It's because everything's unique from them. Trying but. to think, uh, oh, Pan Pan Am is pretty complicated ish. Godzilla yeah. one, that one's a little complicated because the sure. the the skirmisher aspect yeah. of it. Yeah. All right, cool. Ready so to get, into, get this? into this? Yeah, we're gonna talk about the our eight games that we picked for different player counts, and specifically, the, each number is the player count. So yeah. our number one is a one player game. What is what we think really shines, shines as a player. solo? Yeah. Um, our number two is what shines as a two player. So I. So on and so forth. We'll talk about those as we go through it. He's going to decide um, uh, who's going first by the coin. Yep. And I'm going to roll the really tiny die of doom. So we'll post, we'll first say uh, what number it is. Go ahead. Seven. So uh, go ahead and put your, if you're familiar with any seven player games that you think really shine at seven players, go ahead and put that in the chat right now. Um, with that being said, you'll be starting. All right, so the first game on my list here, my number seven that I'm going to be talking about, is I just talked about it's a semi-sequel, I guess you could say, along the same lines. This is a Repos game. <laughs> Lumina says clearly Seven Wonders. Uh, for me, it is Just Not One. Wrong. I love playing Just One at any player count, really. Mm -hmm. But it really is, it shines really well at the higher player count. And seven is its maximum level. Mm -hmm. And the reason being is because you have a bigger opportunity to losing words as you're guessing. So, yeah. because the way Just One works is you got a clue one through five and say someone says Frankenstein. And so then the other six players have to come up with a one word clue. <laughs> <laughs> This is a very tiny little thing you said. Uh, yeah, so uh, anyways, uh, one through seven, uh, you pick or you pick your clue, uh, and then everybody has to come up with a one-word clue for that thing. So say someone says Frankenstein, and I'll say Karloff, and uh, someone will say Universal. And then so if any of those end up matching up, you lose that word. So you can go from six possible combos to down to one. Mm -hmm. It just depends on how it all plays. Because like, if three people come up with the same uh, word, you lose those three words, and now you're down to left to two or down to three. And out of those three, two people come up with the same one, and you're just down to one word for your your clue, and it gets a lot more difficult, more clues. And it's it's really fun because all you hear, like if you have your eyes closed or you're turned around and not watching what's going on over there, and all you hear is like, oh, why, ah. <laughs> So, because yeah. you can't give any information. Once you're writing your clue down, you can't say, well, I'm going to go for the easy one or something like that. So, there, it's just you have to be quiet and pick your word and yeah. go from there. So, it is so, so fun. It's really, really quick. I play this mostly at four, but I really do like it at seven just because it really shines. Yeah, very good. And Lumina said Spyfall. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Spyfall is amazing at almost any player count. It's awesome. Resistance is actually really good too. Um, the one I would pick, I know you don't like social injection, but 
The one I would pick for my seven-player game is one that normally in this style of game I wouldn't pick an odd number of players because this is a team versus team game. And I was thinking about it. I was like, that normally I would stick with either six or eight. Definite. Like, code names, definitely that. Mm -hmm. But I picked Decrypto, and I'll t explain why I think seven is actually a really fun, exciting way. Is because for some reason, there's always, in, the, in a group of seven people, there is definitely a stigma that one person is, like, somehow really, like, good at cracking codes and stuff, and you would put them on the smaller team. And I and just that prejudgment alone mm -hmm. makes it really hilarious going into the rest of the game, because whether they actually because then I love that that meta of it. Like we, we uh, my friend Jim, who I brought up a number of times during this episode alone, we would definitely put him on the smaller of the two mm -hmm. teams, and I would have to be on the opposite team because apparently we are like savants to each other. Well, it's not just that. Um... The people who have you on the team have an advantage because you and me can see through those red filters. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So we have to, like, purposely look away, right? Yeah. But the thing is, like, uh, on those, when I'm playing a game, or if Jim is on a team, he's immediately assumed as the person who's going to be the one cracking the codes and stuff. Fine. But when he gives a, a, a clue that throws off everybody that's too niche, that just adds to hilarity. And it works really well. So in this game, you're trying to make a code of, like, kind of like code words that code words that both teams are going to see, but only the the real or only that team mm -hmm. who gives the clue knows the see or knows the words that are being clued to. Yeah. So like one of your code words might be like a muppet or a pig, right? And mm -hmm. you might say ham or miss or muppet or whatever, yeah. right? But knowing that the other people are they don't have, to it as well. Yeah, they don't have to know what the word is, but they have to know what's close to it. So you have to give very specific words that people looking at the word only would understand mm -hmm. and not people listening to the word. Yeah. So it's very weird, very specific, and I like that variability. And also the reason I like the odd number is because every round a next person gives the clues, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you have an odd number um, it's not just you and me going head to head and then the next pair head to head and the next pair head to head. No, when it comes back around, somebody else is going to be offset. And so you're going to be playing like head to head against other people and the cl better clues come in at different times. It works really well at seven. Cool. So Decrypto is my pick for seven player games. Oh, and Camel Up. Yeah, that is pretty good at that player count. It gets a riot. All right. You want to flip the coin? That's right. How many Roll players? We're going Six. Six players down by one. Here we go. You start us off. All right. So my sixth pick is, and I have played this at this player count. It plays pretty much the same. I don't want to play it at its lowest player count, which is three players. Just because the way this game works, an odd man out could feel bullied. But this one really shines at the full player count of six. And that okay. is a game you finally played. Illuminous is going to like this one. Rising Sun. Oh, yeah. Okay. This game is really, it, it's long. So if you have the time to you invest You put this in... on your list just to bring up the fact that I played it, haven't you? <laughs> uh, well, there's just also the fact that it's really fun at six because of the tea ceremony. Making those alliances. Yeah. Breaking those alliances in the middle of the game. And it allows for like different, uh, different uh, versions of alliances that can go out there. It's like, okay, and now... 
do I screw the wizard over right now yeah. and break said alliance and do something where I could take control of a certain area, take one of their pieces away and put one of my pieces in. So it has like this different aspect. It basically made diplomacy fun in a way because it makes it intriguing how you're going to do certain things. That's right. Yeah. And so, and then you have the variable player powers and then the, the variability of, um, the different creatures that you could put out there if you have it. Yeah, I agree. TI uh, was originally going to be my pick, but I've never played it at six players. Uh, and again, it's like a time investment sink. At three players, I play. It took us four hours. I could just imagine at a six-player game, it could take us all day. Whereas Rising Sun could be three hours, and I can go play something else if it's an all-day gaming event. And yeah. so I really, really do like Rising Sun at six players. It was fun. We actually played it at the shop, and you saw. Just all the shenanigans that was going mm -hmm. on over there. It's, yep. it's super fun. Cool. My number, my six player game, I picked because you use the full count of cards. Because uh, fewer of you would actually take out cards. I moved my foot just slightly and he, so did he. <laughs> um, this is a game that I've always enjoyed. And I do appreciate a bigger player count because of the way it scales. Mm -hmm. um, it adds way more to the negotiation of the games. And it really makes it so everyone almost always before their turn will have a, a stake in the matter on which cards come out. That's Bonanza. Bonanza, amazing negotiation game. Um, bartering, wheeling and dealing. I love it. And at fewer than that player counts, you use fewer cards, which make, speeds the game up a little mm -hmm. bit. But then also, on top of that, it makes it so less people have a stake in the matter. Um, at like three players, there's a very good chance that you're playing with few enough cards where where two cards come out and they're like and everyone's like mm. I don't really want any of that and yeah. it's like well how about you mm. can you take them though just in case <laughs> yeah Sorry. I get that yeah. you know and it's fine like that's part of the wheeling and dealing but at six players almost every card that flips out they're like so I see you're going for chili beans but um hear me out <laughs> you know and, yeah. and that alone is what sets it apart um, I like Bonanza a lot of that player count, and it, Such a good one. it scales really well. It plays up to seven, I think, normally. It, it's pretty good at seven, but it's just slightly long. Um, at six, it just that's the sweet spot. Um, Red Rising is pretty good at six players. Uh, I still, I think, I prefer it at four. It just moves a little quicker. Yeah. Hey, hey. I'm gonna have a belly rub. Don't worry. All right, moving on to our next one. All right, here we go. We're doing number three. Three player games. Here we go. Let let us know in the comments. You're starting us off. All right. So my best three player game is a game that's made for two to four, I want to say. I can't really remember. Maybe it's two to six. I can't exactly remember. But I won't play it. Uh, I'll play it maybe at four. I won't play it at two. I won't play it at five or six. Okay. I love it at three. It's a game that you don't like, but it's just how quick Probably. and snappy this game is at a three-player game is the reason why I enjoy it. And it's about combining two decks to fight over territories, and this yeah. is Smash Up. I, I, I totally understand why you put this at three. Yeah. Because it does outstay its welcome at four. four it's outstays its welcome at four. It outstays it really at higher player counts. There's not enough player interaction in a two-player game. Right. But in a three-player game, three. it's just really, right. really quick. So, like, one person's doing their stuff. Then it goes to the next player, and then it goes to the next player. And then there's a lot more competition on the territories. There's a lot more interaction, I guess you could say, smart plays. It is very, very good at three-player game. Uh, I really do enjoy it. Uh, through the ages, I 
enjoy in a four-player game. It's just really long. Yeah. But it's a long game at a two-player, so it's kind of... Yeah, it's long regardless. Yeah. So, yeah, for me, Smash Up is perfect at three players, and I I don't really want to play it other than at three players. Yeah. Uh, my three-player game was very similar to that. I... I feel at four players, it overstays its welcome, and at two players, there's not enough player interaction. It's the same reason. Yeah. At three, it really shines. You each get a chance um, to play the characters that you want to in, in its own unique way. I know we, what this is. We brought this up earlier. Really? Yes. Oh, it's the one that you wanted to try to show me tonight. No. Really? No. I thought that was the one you were going to put at three. Nope. Disney Villainous. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean... I Yeah, I agree with yeah. you on that. Like I, I don't like it as much as two player. It works fine. But it, it's fine. It's, it's as just, soon as no... you play a fate deck, you know who you're picking. There's no choice in the matter. You're like, all right, well, all right, here's screwing you over. And it's kind of like the reason why Munchkin is a minimum three mm-hmm. is just because like yeah, it's, I, you I don't do always like want to screw over the same. Game. I do like the fact that they fixed it in Marvel Villainous with the simple fact that the, there is a sinner fate deck. Yeah, so sure. So this way you can also play, you can either play it on the person that comes up or the group has to mess with it. Right. But here's the thing, like, if I'm playing, if I'm playing really well at two players, right, mm-hmm. and I'm already beating you, and I pick a spot that happens to have a fate deck, well, I'm just beating a dead horse at that point. Yeah, I'm no, no, like, I get that. Right, I here. do not disagree with uh, you. Three players, you're like, all right, which of you is doing better? Here you go. Mm-hmm. You know, hand it to the person. But then four or more is just too long. It gets long, very long. Yeah. So, I played this... I think it's, what, two to five? Uh, something like that. I've played it uh, at five players. I've played it at four players. I'm okay at four players. Sure. Uh, especially because the people I play it with at four players have played enough of yeah, it that it, it goes faster. Sure. Uh, but, yeah, if I'm teaching new players, I want to do a three-player three, right. three player game. I agree with you wholeheartedly on that one. Yep. Exactly. And like I said, Disney Marvel Girl. Villainous really did a good job about fixing the two-player sure. aspect with the group fake deck. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. No, I just think it shines 100%. Like, that's my favorite way to play it. Three-player game. Mm-hmm. Marvel Villainous. Love it. Next player count. Solo. One. Our best solo game. You'll be starting us oh, off God. this time. All right, so my best solo game. This is the best solo game. Flipping this coin. <laughs> Apparently, my best solo game here is in my top 100 because of what it is. Uh, Robinson Caruso is your favorite solo game? Sweet. So nice. Yeah, or Mage Knight. Yeah. So for me, this one game. is only a solo game. Uh, you already know what it is. Final Girl. Yep. Figured I, that one. I, I really do enjoy it. I, in fact, I just recently played another... This one, I was like, I really wanted to get the uh, Dr. Fright in, uh, the Freddy Krueger version. So yeah. I put uh, Nightmare on Elm Street in the background. I was playing the solo game of Dr. Fright in... Uh, mm-hmm. Was it uh, Frightmare on Maple Lane? I think is what it's called. I haven't played Lawyer Up yet. I want to. Play I haven't it. played that, but it is so fun. It was so difficult too because in that one there's a special rule that you have to pick up cards that makes you try to talk to people to let you come in their house. That's fun. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, and you have to roll the dice. Uh, but what's neat about it is I can't attack Doctor Fright and he can't attack me. Unless I'm in the dream world. And there's a little game mechanism on the Dr. Fright version of it uh-huh. where there's four cards in the dream world. It's called the boiler room or something like that. Okay. And so you have to, at the end of every round, if you're asleep, you have to move the card a certain direction. You go up, left, or right. And if you go up, because you only cover half the card, if you don't see his face, 
then you're good. But if you do see his face and he shows up like in the either in the top two corners or the bottom two corners, if you don't see his face, then you get hit. And he hits for it don't matter where he's at in the map, he hits you because you're in Dream World. So it is it's very interesting. interesting. That so far is my favorite one I've played. Yeah. I, I'm only got one more from the first season that I have to play. Doctor Fright is so far my favorite right now. That's cool. And just because of how it works, I ended up winning it by sheer dumb luck. Yeah. Because uh, he literally in the first turn he put me in the stream world, and we were like almost next to each other. So my next action was going over there, and I hit. I had enough time because not really much you can do while you're awake no. so i was like you know what i'm just gonna go over here i'm gonna rescue these guys and i'm gonna save the rest of my time to grab that critical hit and so That's i knocked funny. him for three damage and he had 11 like on the first turn but i also had my still my small strikes yeah. so i did a luck enough where i did more damage to him so like after the second turn i've already did six damage to him out of 11 wow so Wow. Uh, I got lucky in the dice rolls there, but then he started chunking me down, so I had to heal myself, and luckily I got healed. So it took me about five or six turns to finally defeat him. But it was getting down there. I had, I He actually killed me, but I had that black die when I pulled it up. I got three more health. So I had the extra health one. I'm like, oh, thank God. And when I took him down, he got no more health. So I was like... Oh, uh, luck was on my side this time. That's right. Cool. Yes, I saw that the Series 3 Kickstarter is coming. I might have to get Anyway, no, don't tell me this. Shut up and take my money. Don't tell me this. No, October. Uh, that's a very, that's In a fact, very good In fact, while the Kickstarter is going on, they're going to release something very oh. special. Because when the Kickstarter falls, there's going to be a Friday the 13th. That's cool. <laughs> okay, that's fun. So, um, <laughs> yeah, give Rand Ryder your money. They're, they're great people. They oh, really they're great, are. yeah. And then I um, love... Uh, they're doing really good. Like, I want to get into the box, too, but I want to finish box one. Right. So, <laughs> I talked with a few of the people at the trade show when we were talking about it, and one of the guys, he, he specifically said, not not the main designer, but he was like, yeah, it's like I play this game with my wife all the time. I was like, that's a solo game. He was like, let's be real. If you want to play a multiplayer, you can play a multiplayer. Mm-hmm. You just sit there and you just discuss the choices. Yeah. Like, let, let's be honest. Like, yeah. It was like, that's my preferred way to play it. Yes, it's a solo game, yeah. But that doesn't mean you can't play a multiplayer. And so, like, and I actually, I was like, I, I was like, I'm not sure where you're going with that. But then the the other day at the shop, I was recommending it to somebody, and they're like, yeah, it's a solo game. I'm like, let's be real. <laughs> <laughs> you can play it. Like, just, like, you're both working together. It's yeah. co-op. But, yeah, there's the one final girl. You're just controlling it. It's like, you play it however you want, but... It can be done solo, but yeah, you can play it with like two or three players. Yeah, if you really I, want honestly, to. I yeah. think it would be fine at two players. I yeah. don't know, three players, more decisions, yeah. stuff like that. What What really matters is how much steam that game provides. Yeah, yeah. And it oh, really so does. So good, I really so, enjoy it a lot. And my number one, Your this solo. is no surprise. Your solo game. Yeah, yeah. My number one, my number one solo game. No uh, surprise. Oh no, yeah. It It's a game that I don't want to play with other people. It's like. Because you can. You can. It's you a one to two to. player game. Like and it's fine, I'm sure it's fine playing it. He's our man. Uh it's totally fine playing it as a two player game, it's fine, but I don't like the idea of like dealing with a communal couple cards. It it wasn't how it was originally intended. It works really well. You have good meaningful choice. You have control over what you're doing. You determine your fate. I'm at about a fifty percent win rate, maybe sixty percent win rate now. Um but I still play this at least once a week. Still. Yeah, and, and I just love it. The in all honesty, great. 
if you don't have the game and want to try it out, it has a really good spiffy app. Yeah, that app is really good quality. I highly recommend it to anybody who just wants to give it a try. It, it's, it's a so great bathroom fun. app. It is. It's a great pooping app. <laughs> I wasn't going to go that graphic. Uh, no, our friend explicitly says that's how he plays it. It's yeah. a pooping app. It's so great. terrible. That's my favorite solo game. I, I, think it's I don't awesome. disagree with you. I like that one a lot. And it probably would have been my favorite solo game if right. Final Girl hadn't come out. Right, I, a lot of the theme, but again, I want the more, I want a little bit more strategy. I, I love the theme. Theme, I'm a theme guy, yep. and because I love horror films so much, in this, like, I, like I said, I had Nightmare on Elm Street in the background while I'm playing this. So at times where I'm like struggling trying to kill it, all you hear is screaming from the TV, and I'm like, <laughs> yes, this is about right. He just slaughtered that person over there, and now they're panicking. That's awesome. That's a great way to play that game. <laughs> yeah. All right, next player count. Next player count is four. All right, we haven't done four yet, and you'll be starting us off. What else is new? Uh, so my four-player game pick is a game I've talked about a lot. I own quite a bit of this game. Uh, I was thinking, uh, like, how I would want to put Gloomhaven in here, but I decided, you know what, I talk about Gloomhaven a lot, yeah. and it plays really it's well good at solo. Any player, yeah. Yeah. But this one, I really, really enjoy at four players. I mainly play this at four players because I like the fact that the the bad guy, the villain, because it's a co-op game, is going to get more turns. There's going to be more actions with the villain, so they're going to pop off a little bit more. This one is Marvel United. Oh, yeah, okay. I love the comic book aspect of it where you're using your other pl- uh, person's um, card bef- that played before you in your card basically on the time track so that's your components mm-hmm. for you to go punch this guy or to go rescue these people and being you know the superhero that you are yeah. i really do enjoy it i've played it solo i've played it at two players i played it at three players and i played it at four players i played it at every player count and for me the solo game is eh. i know they changed it i think more recently with the newest one the expansion that's coming or kickstarter that's coming out mm-hmm. um but what I like about the four-player, like I said, is that the villain fires off a lot more because it's like after every three turns until you hit a certain requirement. Yeah. And the other one, it's just your base. It's still the same thing every three turns, but then people are taking like one or two actions before the villain goes off right. in a three-player game. And the solo play, you're basically combining three decks, and what cards come up is when you determine to play. So like if I have like three different cards, but I really need like Wolverine to go off but I don't have a Wolverine card in my hand, then I have to use one of the other individuals that I have. So, eh, two players, it's a lot more simpler. And another yeah. reason why I like it at four players, it's much more difficult because he's got a higher health count. He fires off a little bit more. He does a little bit more things because he's firing off more. Yeah. That's why I really do enjoy this game at four players. Cool. Uh, my four-player game, I only ever played this game at four players on purpose. Because I understood the, the annoyance um, of playing it at fewer player counts, and it maxes at four, but it works at four. That's how it was, I feel like it was very strongly designed Design for this. Yeah. And so much to the point that uh, when we lost one of our players for this, we got somebody else to join in to take their place to keep it as a four-player game. This is a, a scenario game that plays over multiple campaigns. Is it Time Stories? Time Stories, okay. yeah. 100%. Because... Here's the thing. Time stories, one of the big mechanisms that you do in the game mm-hmm. is you send your people out to kind of look around, um, to look at um, the location in each of the cards. At four players, 
we would spread out and we would see more locations. At a two-player, you're playing as a four-player game, uh-huh. which means that you get twice as much information but less story. Less, It doesn't feel like it because you're like, oh, well, I'm looking at two point of views from the same thing, but really I should only be looking at one. And then um, the, the three-player counts... They do have some little things. It's like if you're playing with three players, here's a little bonus to it. Mm-hmm. But again, that is a that is one twenty five percent less from every single turn that you're doing, and so it's just it doesn't. I don't think it scales well. Four player was absolutely the sweet spot, and I'm glad we played the entirety of the campaign with four players at all times, and it worked really well. It was just a phenomenal experience the whole time we did. Um, yeah, and I understand. Like I've heard a lot of counter arguments that's fine i apologize that it didn't work well for you it worked really well for my group and we that was one of my favorite games i think for me it just kind of fell off because there was a falling out in the group that was playing Mm. and so i just never i never really got it back to the table couldn't really get the rest of the center because we were like maybe halfway through the third do you think you ever will no i sold it i have the base game still but But somebody said it's like hey like, I might try it, yeah. I was, I at one point I was thinking about doing it as a solo game. Yeah. But even then, it wouldn't work all that well. But at least I'd get the story. Yeah. But it's, it was to the story. point where it there was a falling out. Like when I want to say 2016, we were about halfway through the third scenario. And honestly, my wife, I, I talked to my wife about it because I was holding on to it and holding on to it. And she was like, "There's so many other good campaign games that we're yeah. enjoying. Gloomhaven uh, being Bo- one. Gloomhaven being yeah. one." We like uh, Return to Dark Tower a lot. We yep. have a great time with that one, uh, the scenario-based aspect of it. And so she was just like, like, uh, what is that? Kids on Bike, the Stanley Gaster situation. We really enjoy that one. The most recently, the uh, Stranger Things Upside Down, we really enjoy. And she's like, you've had it for seven years, and we haven't played it. Yep. What's the point of keeping it? Yep. Yeah, exactly. so I'm like, that, yeah, no, you're fair. right. Yeah. Yep. And that scenario, like I said, we lost a player because they moved. And we're like, wow, like do we continue as a three player game? Mm-hmm. Or but since we like the experience so much, it's like let's find somebody else and let's just catch them up to that. And we did. We ended up playing all uh, of it. No, mind you, I've only seen three scenarios. Mm-hmm. The base one, the first expansion, sure. and yeah. Prophecy of Dragons. However, I will say this if you get a chance to play time stories and you, the, you, you, you enjoyed the first scenario, I highly recommend Marcy Case. That was my favorite. Yeah. I, I Everybody says Prophecy of the Dragon's their favorite, and yeah, we fine. only got halfway through it. But I just, the the story that Marcy Case was telling was really, yeah. really good. Yeah, I agree. Um, and we also we didn't bring up uh, Key Flower, is what Illuminous said for three-player games, and then for four-players, Chronicles, Chronicles of, of Crime. Crime. I don't disagree with him on that one. Yeah, Chronicles but of I, Crime... My only... I think I like Carnival Crimes at a lower player count, like two or three Same. players. Yeah, I like pitching like the ideas. Four players is fun to like really like focus and, and kind of have a multitude of minds. Mm-hmm. But then like just the AR experience, like passing it four times. At, you know what would be that, another one? Uh, I, I really like Marvel United, but know what another good four-player game would be in this one? Mm-hmm. Detective. Detective, yeah. Because Detective everybody would have a role. Yep. All right, next player count is, since we've already done three, it's two. Two. Here we go. Starting with you. Finally, I start. So my favorite two-player game, you actually brought it up earlier. Um, yeah, because you thought it was the three-player. 
Spirit Island. It's slightly too long. It, it, it shines so well at a two-player game. I love working together with one other person. It works really well. I would probably... I would play it solo, mm-hmm. but I don't think it would be as fun. I play it with my son a lot. He loves this game. And I played it at a three-player. Uh, or no, I've only played it at, at two or four. Yeah. And four was definitely way too long. Um, <laughs> and and four, it, it was weird because a lot of... Since there's so much thought and effort put into one one side, yes, you can discuss, but then as soon as one person was like, okay, well, you know what? I'm going to play this now. Then everyone else has to regroup. And, and, it, it wasn't, it, it and wasn't, that was annoying. And it wasn't just that, because you mentioned something about, like, uh, our, our major friend Jim. Yep. You were, like, saying something along the lines, like, he's like, I can do this and take care of this. And you're like, yeah, but then I get a certain ability. Right. And that he was basically stuck yeah. on his And character. I was like, I can do it, but also slightly better. And he was like, well, then now I don't really have much choice in my turn. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and, and it took him out. And that's a very fair argument. Yeah. Um. And at three player, I feel like it would be fine, but it would still add. It, it's roughly about like forty five minutes per player. I, I think I, realistically, thirty I, minutes could be um, if you're doing either really good or really bad. That's fine. I bought myself yeah. a smaller version just to try it out. No, again, especially since it was fifteen bucks at Target. It, it's it's a hundred percent worth it at two player. That is my favorite. That is by far. If I have a two player game, like I want a good meaty co op, Spirit Island, hundred percent. Like nice. that's gonna be the one I pick off the shelf because I want to play it right now. And it's great. It, I, a three-player, I'd be like, eh, you know, it might take us a while. Mm-hmm. One player, I'm probably not going to do it. Um, so I have plenty of good solo games. And definitely not a four-player game. All right, so my two-player game um, is a head-to-head battler. It's my favorite of all the stories. I originally had Jaipur, but I'm like, this is too obvious. No, <laughs> I, I really like uh, no, but it's not. Mine's not Jaipur. I'll tell you. No, that I know. I'm saying mine's I... a skirmisher game that really shines at the as a head to head. Okay. Because at four players, you got to play on a team. Okay. There is uh, a new with the newer expansions. They give you like a battle royale. It really work. The battle royale really works at three players. Mm-hmm. Could be fine at four players, but I just love the head head to head combat of unmatched. I oh, yeah. I really do enjoy a lot of the expansions. I've gotten into the Marvel expansion stuff, uh, which they do some really intriguing stuff. But I still think, and you can't find it anymore, so if you find it in a while, I highly recommend you picking up this version of it. It's called Cobble and Fog. Mm-hmm. It has Dracula, I think Sherlock, uh, the Invisible Man, and Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah. I highly recommend someone getting or picking up that one. Because, one, they're not printing it anymore. They're basically putting it in the library or something like that. So if you can find it in the wild, I pick up that copy. If not, then any of the other ones are fine. They actually sell two-player sets. Uh, they, they sell three-player sets. The new Marvel mm-hmm. stuff is three-player sets. So you have a plethora of stuff to pick. It's really good. It's really quick. It's got a, like a good tackle. You and me always talk about like Funkoverse versus Unmasked. We had a whole episode about that. Yep. I like Unmatched because there's a lot more agency in there. You're not beholden to certain dice rolls and you know how your powers are charging and stuff like that. Yeah. You're just beholden to what cards you draw. And there's really cool stuff like Houdini versus and the Genie. Yeah. That is a great pack. If you can find a, that two-player version, I highly recommend that yeah. one. Um, uh, unmatched, uh, great. Yeah, Luminous agrees with me. It's, That's it's the only unmatched I own is the Houdini. It, it, it's such a, and you like it. It's just not you yeah. prefer Funko because of the, the lighterness of it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, it is phenomenal, and you always you can do that whole thing. Like, 
hey, how would uh, Daredevil do against raptors? Yeah. And so, like, things you wanted to see, or uh, how would Sherlock go up against, uh, say, someone like uh, Bullseye, or... I, so, I don't want more... Yeah, I want to try the digital version of it. Um, I Yeah, the storage system is clunky, but, hey, it's going to allow me to get everything in. For some of them, you could put two characters in one box, so I'm looking forward to that, because it's a big storage set. But yeah, Unmatched is so good. I do want to try the digital version of it on the Switch. Um, and I've heard really good things about it. But yeah, I love that game just by itself. I honestly would be okay if they stop using minis and go to acrylic standees. Yep. Just because, like, uh, what is it? Sorcerer's Arena. Yep. Cool. But yeah, Unmatched. I, I thoroughly love that game. As you can see, it's like all right. You can't really see it on the screen, but it's all right here. No, there's a lot of it. <laughs> all right. Uh, five or eight player. Let's see which one. All right. See what comes That's up. We have left. Uh, eight. All right. Cool. So uh, eight players. You'll be starting us. My eight player game. Uh, this is the game that I own actually. Oh, that's such I a good one. I have not played that one. I have not played that one. Illuminous. And Illuminous put up Captain Sonar. That's uh, a solid choice. Uh, for solid. us, we said Sorry. eight. This is eight. Plus players because some of us will do better. Um, I have one game that could hold eight plus players, but it also could hold up to thirteen if you have one of the expansions. So uh, this is the only social deduction game I actually enjoy, outside of like you know the player card versions of Mafia and stuff like that. If you have a good person running it, so. for me this one is Deception Murder in Hong Kong. Because uh, what I like about this is that you have a murderer, you have an accomplice. Uh, they pick the murder weapon, they pick one of the other things uh, in there, and one person is running it, trying to give clues to the rest of the group. What I like about this is there's no, basically, armchair. Everybody gets a set amount of time to discuss who they think it is and what it was based on the clues. Uh, and so, yeah, this is the only deduction <laughs> game I will play. Yeah. The only one. Uh, and it's true and true, straight up social deduction. It, but it's it's the way it works, because... You don't have people talking over each other. If you want to talk over someone and make an accusation, you have to use your badge, but then you're done. You you can't make your accusations. You can't see, do anything like that. I like the fact that it like tones down a lot of the, the alpha gaming that some social deduction games can get. Yeah. Um, and especially when you have someone like our mutual friend Jim, who knows how to play that system. Yeah, he knows how to how to work the meta. Yeah, so it's and then you have like a witness. It's it's phenomenal. It does really, really well. I, I do like this. It's still in my it's the only multi massive I think Wits and Wagers could hold up to a, sure. a certain amount. But even then I don't bust Wits and Wagers out all that much. Yeah. Uh, the only other one I could think of, but I don't know the player count that can go that high is Ready Set Bet. And I don't yeah, think... it, it can go up to nine, nine technically, yeah. but eight is—it's is nine with somebody so running nice. the horses. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so for me, uh, Blood on the Clock Tower. Yeah, I—that's I, the new hotness everybody's all in love with. Uh, but for me, Deception Murder in Hong Kong is just—it's very simple. It's, it actually plays pretty quickly. It goes down really well. Cool. Um, Illuminous, I got to give you credit. If <laughs> I had thought of that, 
Like, I'm surprised you didn't think of I, that. I'm surprised I didn't either, honestly. Because you're always pushing that. I love that game, and it it's it should only be played at eight players. That is the best because then everyone takes multiple. I'm talking about Captain Sonar. Luminous brought it up. If this wasn't eight plus, then like if I had more than eight, I would pick this one. But eight, if I had exactly eight Captain Sonar, yes, a hundred percent. Isn't there like a smaller version where it's like six players? It's four. Four. Yeah, okay. Sonar is four. Yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, because there's four four roles for each side, so mm-hmm. eight is like the perfect amount where everyone's talking over each other. They're trying to figure it out. Yeah. Um, I don't want to play it fewer because then that means one player has to do double the work. All right, but that's, that's not your pick. Yeah. So what that's is your not pick? My pick. But mine is for a large group, eight plus. If I have a group of eight people, I am picking this one, and it's not so much a social. It's not a social deduction. It's um, it's more of a party game, but it is definitely uh, a great party game for players. It is more of a game than just a party game. This is Dead Last. I'm surprised you went with that one. I thought you were gonna do the Cranium Party Playoff. No, yeah, that's good, <laughs> but. If, if I want to play a good meaty game, I love the backstabberiness of, of Dead Last. You're right with Party Party Playoff. That is one of my go-tos as well. The only but, thing I, can, I like about Dead Last is the, the, the dilemma. Yes. The prisoner's yeah, dilemma. the prisoner's dilemma at the end. Well, I love how it's like you could end around. I, you, you have 90 seconds to discuss in any way you want what you're going to do. You can stay silent. You can go into another room. You can blatantly say what you're going to do. You can try and bluff. It doesn't matter. But at the end of that 90 seconds, you all vote for someone to be eliminated. If that, whoever gets the most votes to be eliminated is removed from the game, and anybody else who didn't vote for them is also removed from the game for that round. I love that. You have to be part of the majority, and you might not know any information about that. There is multiple times where I, where just to see what would happen, is I would take my card of who I'm voting for, and I would point at somebody who is not that person. It's like, I already know who I'm picking at. I know I'm picking you, and I'm purposely flashing the card to somebody else so they can see that I am lying about that. And then setting down my cards like, nah, you're, you can't even have a chance. You're done. And while I'm... Well, I'm purposely acting like I'm bluffing and knowing that I'm giving people my information. It is so fun. It's so validating. You could just, you could be so ridiculous and you could be so confident. It plays with people who are confident, people who aren't confident, people who are just bashful and shy. You could play into that mood. It works so well at almost any player count. Um, but it's a minimum of eight players. <laughs> I think. Or no, it's a minimum of six. Yeah. But really, I would only play a minimum of eight. And that's why A-plus, I picked that last. I'm, it's a fine game. I'm okay with it. I'm not in, as much in love with you as, uh, as you are. In love with me, game. sir. I I'm not as not. much in love with it as you are. Uh, I, I find it fine. Yeah. Uh, car is fun. Yeah. I've never played it at a higher player count. I've, we've only played a four-player version of it. It was fun. We enjoyed it. Yeah. So, our last one is number five, so you got to flip the coin. Flip a coin. Here we go. Five players. Boom. You go first. I'm going to end this up. I only got one. So, this one goes, I think it's two to six. Let me check. Two to six. I really enjoy it, and it's on Kickstarter, or no, GameFound right now. I already know what it is. Yeah. Not a sponsor. I thoroughly enjoy this game a lot, (laughs) and 
I've played it at a five player count. I played it. Uh, the, I have, the only one I haven't touched it is at six. Yeah. It it plays pretty quick, no matter what player count, because everybody's getting a tile mm-hmm. on their turn, no matter what. Mm-hmm. And this is Planet Unknown. It is so so good. It, it's we played just recently played a four player version of it. We got it done in what 30, 45 minutes, and we have one new player in that game. Uh, it's so quick. I, I like it at most player counts. Two is kind of eh for me. But three, four, and five, and I really, really like uh, like it at um, five players because it's so quick. It's I have a big group. Like we were talking about it earlier, Villainous. I would not want to play that at five again. No. It, it, it's no. rough. This one plays relatively as good as a three-player game, four-player game, five-player game, and time. The only difference is... Someone's getting more choice in that matter, so you're getting less choice in there in a five-player game because the way it works is if someone can't fill their map or if two of one area is completely gone of the tiles, because you have one tile, or one set in front, or two sets in front of you. If both of those are empty at one point, then that's it, and so the in-game trigger doesn't really change because you're still getting a tile every turn. Mm-hmm. So the turns are pretty much the same. It's just that you're not getting as much choice as the other player counts. Not that it really matters because you're also beholden to other players. Is like why 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 didn't you move it? Why do I got to use these tiles again? But there's the 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 fact that you can play different uh, what are they called corporations, different planets, the way different things work. I love this game a lot. It is such a such a fun game, and all honestly. This should have been the Kinnishville winner. And we, we're going to talk about it when we do discuss the Spiel des Jahres winners, but I highly, highly disagree with, and I like the game that won, who won the Kinnishville. Oh, you're very passionate about that. Mm-hmm. More so than me, and I'm the Spiel follower. Um, yeah, no, my my last one, this is the the max play count for it. It plays two to five players, and five is the maximum for it. And the reason I like it is because at... A three and four player, um, three and four players on this game, it expands the board. You have more options for different parts of the board. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in two or three players, it has a smaller version of the board because there's fewer options between them. However, uh, with even player counts with two and four, um, it just seems like the board is a little loose. Whereas in three and five, it actually seems tighter. Um, and I. I like this game at all player counts. It actually works and all the scaling does work, but I do think it really shines at five players. And especially the biggest concern with five player games is that it it, it seems like it would outstay its welcome. Like you have so much time between your turns. In this game, the turns are so fast that it just it works no matter what. Like they're just so fast. You you won't have to wait more than just a couple moments. That's ticket to ride. Okay. I, I think Ticket Ride works really well at five. I actually, I think it shines at three as well, because it does that same. It gives everyone options, but with the tightness of the board. But with five, it really does work because it's fast enough. It works. People aren't sitting down. They're taking their turns. They're strategizing, and they have that ability to use their player, uh, their their strategy to good effect without seeming like they're just AP prone. It, it, the game doesn't allow that really. And then with the expanded board, multiple players, you have a lot of that back and forth. It's like when I see you take a route, I'm like, okay, I have a little bit of time to get in there, but not much. When is that timing? 
And then if I was the third player in line, I'm hoping both of you don't do it. It's like, because it could come back to me and I might have a chance. Yeah. It's cool. It has some cool tension to it. Uh, that being said, Ticket Ride, one of my favorite five-player games, and it shines at five players. So, what did you think of the list? I like the list. I had fun doing it. It was intriguing how you had to do Like, the higher ones were really difficult for me, so my... My sweet spot is four players. That's yeah. mainly where I, it's either three or four players is where I play a lot of games. Because yeah. usually our game night is either three to four players, and my other sure. game group is four players. So yeah. Another game that I think plays really well at like the upper player counts is like Wordorific and stuff. But mm-hmm. again, you have to wait for all the turns. So it's like, yeah, yeah. but it's fun hearing it. Um, and it just kind of like digs in a little bit if like people have like a bad story. You yeah. know? It's like, oh, well, they're like, they're in the normal turns, they're winning. You know, we got to feel bad for them. Yeah. But, yeah, there's there's some cool ones. Uh, but that being said, if you ever want to join us, like our friends Luminous, Creative Chaos, uh, Corrupt Senate, or a um, new one, I think it was uh, something 12 gauge, Grit 12 gauge. Yeah. Uh, thanks for joining us in on chat. Join us at twitch.tv slash everydayboardgames, and be sure to follow us there so you get notified whenever we do a live episode. As all as well as all video re-uploads are found at YouTube, and we officially have our own account now. You can find us at youtube.com slash at everyday board games podcast. And if you like what we do there, there are three things you can do to help us grow on the platform. Subscribe if you're not, like the video, and comment down below and tell us your thoughts on the subject. As well as all audio versions can be found on most podcast platforms under Everyday Board Games Podcast. This includes Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, and Podbean. And if you want to ever contact us directly, email us at everydayboardgames2020 at gmail.com. You can either say hi, enter into future contests, hint, hint, or give us ideas for future episodes, or to send him hate mail. Or him. That's where you're going to send it. Everydayboardgames2020 at gmail.com. With that being said, I actually pulled that, that segue pretty quickly. We want to thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I've been your host, Daniel. And I've been your host, Daniel. And we want to thank you for listening to Everyday Board Games. And remember, every day is a good day for board gaming.